1: And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Nor is I for thinking of Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where these two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John! Yes, Hank. Why does the Swedish Navy have barcodes on all its ships? Why does
0: the Swedish Navy
1: have barcodes on all its ships? So that when they return to port, they can scan the Navy in. That was good, right? <laughs> no, it's terrible. <laughs> no, no, that one's really good. That was like the best one we've ever had. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Hank, this week in Good News, Dear Hank and John is officially a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios. We have finally joined the WNYC Studios family. What does that mean for you podcast listeners? Well, it means that you might get a slightly higher quality ad read uh, (laughs) and slightly higher quality ads. But other than that, uh, I don't think it means much. The Anthropocene Reviewed is going to be a lot better. It's got some really cool... Uh, sound design and, and uh, mm. sound sound composition from the brilliant Hannes Brown, who works a lot on uh, Radiolab and other WNYC Studios podcasts. Anyway, we're really excited to be part of the WNYC Studios
1: family. And, yeah,
0: I th- it's good news.
1: And I'm also excited that uh, SciShow Tangents is going to be in the world. Also yeah. co-produced between Complexly and WNYC Studios. Um, SciShow Tangents is a weird, uh, slightly competitive... Uh, fact, showcase, show-off between uh, me and my friends who work on SciShow. Um, so we we have a very good time recording that. We've done uh, a few episodes already, and I can't wait for them to be out in the world. So check it out. I think you can, I think you can search for SciShow Tangents
0: wherever you get your podcasts, and you can subscribe now. Also, while you're there, subscribe to The Anthropocene Reviewed
1: and every WNYC Studios podcast. (laughs) That's the big change. We're just going to be really all in on every WNYC Studios podcast. I mean, I do like them. This is going to sound like a bit much, but I actually got a Radiolab tattoo. Is it Does it have ink in it this time, or is it like all
0: your other tattoos? <laughs> I do love a good inkless tattoo. The great thing
1: about them, Hank, is that you get to have a tattoo for like a week, and then it's gone. <laughs> you could just draw on yourself, but what's the fun in that? That costs like no money. John, do you want to answer some questions from our listeners? Very much so. This first question comes from Natalia, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I work in a retail shoot." I work in a retail shoe store that offers a ten percent military discount every Hank, day. Can I just stop yeah. you right there? Uh-huh. And I, you know I don't like to
0: do this, but there there is one question that is clearly, overwhelmingly, the most important question <laughs> to answer first. <laughs> All right. Well, and we'll get
1: back to Natalia's question later. I think in the you podcast.
0: know. I I think you know what I'm referring to, and I don't think we can wait.
1: Um, is it about peeing? No, and I have no idea.
0: Hank, our first question comes from Allison, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I need help. My boyfriend wants to grow a mullet.
1: Oh, yeah. That is an important one.
0: (laughs) I love and support him very much in everything he does.
1: Everything.
0: (laughs) But a mullet you don't have to we know what the butt is Allison <laughs> yeah. actually the the butt is extraordinarily generous in this sentence it makes me think that Allison and her boyfriend have a truly wonderful relationship here's the butt but a mullet is a hairstyle that takes a very long time to grow out and isn't very flattering <laughs> and I don't want mullet prom photos how do I convince my sweet sweet boyfriend not to try to rock out one of the worst hairstyles ever to come about do I sneak into his house and give him haircuts while he's sleeps, haircuts, and headaches. <laughs> Allison. Allison, you were on a good roll, and then you had a really bad idea. Uh, <laughs>
1: He's just like, I don't know, man. I've been trying to grow a mullet for two years. And it just doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. The hair in the back of my head just <laughs> won't grow. Like every three weeks, I keep thinking it's growing and then it gets short again. Th- that reminds me of this thing that Sarah's parents did for two years where she had a Valentine's Day heart full of chocolates in it. Mm-hmm. And they just kept replacing one of the chocolates with a Milky Way. And Sarah never picked up on it. And she just, as a child, genuinely believed that there was some kind of magical rejuvenation chocolate machine.
1: (laughs) Ah, Well, I mean, it's good to keep our sense of wonder, John. I have a friend who's very good looking. Uh, He's a a young man. He's uh, he's quite hip. And he recently went full mullet. Um, He has actually since transitioned back. Uh, but so he's no longer full mullet. But during that period of time, the the thing that I noticed most about my friend Nick having a mullet was that everybody kept... This is not Nick who edits the podcast. Is that everybody kept saying, wow, you sure have a mullet. Like that was... <laughs> like it did come up a lot. People did talk about it. It was a feature of... Con- like It was a thing that was recognized.
0: Allison, I think the thing you have to do here is... Obviously, it's an uncomfortable conversation to tell your boyfriend that he is forbidden to have a mullet. <laughs> Just a certain
1: hairstylist. Wait, 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 John, 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 John. Before you yeah. keep going, Allison, mm-hmm. is your boyfriend a semi-professional hockey player? Great question, Hank, because semi-professional
0: hockey players look phenomenally <laughs> good with mullets. I don't know what it is. So. It's possible, Allison, that you haven't considered how awesome your boyfriend is going to look with a mullet. I think the more likely possibility (laughs) is that you've considered exactly how awesome (laughs) your boyfriend is going to look with a mullet. Yeah. So what you're going to do is you're going to sit him down and you're going to say, hey, Jacques, I imagine he's French Canadian. (laughs) Okay. Jacques, I love you and I want to have a great prom picture. And he's going to be like, wait, you love me? We've only been dating for a month. (laughs) Okay. so you're gonna you're just you're just gonna sit him down and you're gonna say listen man uh there's two ways forward here and one way is where you have a mullet and the other way is where I'm your girlfriend
1: <laughs> okay. I mean d- does does Jacques just want people to say hey mullet because I think that's the only purpose of a mullet. In modern society, the only reason to have a mullet is to have a hairstyle that people will point at. No, not if you're a
0: semi-professional hockey player. There, there, there are a lot of different professions that lend themselves to mullets. But it seems like Allison's boyfriend is a high school student. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I definitely experimented with my hair a lot when I was in high school. Like, for a while, I had fuchsia plum hair, which is a sort of purplish-pink color. I remember that. Boy, my grandmother did not like that. <laughs> I showed, up, I showed up at her doorstep in Birmingham, Alabama. She opened the door. She said, no, <laughs> and told me to go back to school and that uh, I was welcome in the house. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> once the situation had been resolved.
1: I have an extremely similar story, John. I once dyed my hair an upsetting color of red, and I went in to see my chemistry advisor in college, and he sat down, he's a very sturdy man, big mustache, got a lot of books with guys on with muscles saying inspirational things on the, the cover that like sort of look out at you from the chair that you have to sit in, and he looks me straight in the eyes and, and like furls his mustache a little bit, and he says... My son is starting to do things like that.
0: <laughs> can, I, can I just ask you to back up for a second? Uh-huh. You sat down in your chemistry professor's office, uh-huh. and he had a lot of books on which the covers were
1: muscular people <laughs> yeah. who had—what? I don't know. There, there was like a series of books— by this guy who was probably, like, a Navy SEAL or something, and he wore really uh-huh. tight T-shirts, and he had a uh-huh. big beard, and the titles were, like, like, thi- like, it was about, like, how to live a powerful life, like, that kind of book. And he had, like, four of them, and, like, they they were turned out and sat on the shelf, like, cover out, and when you sat down, they looked at you.
0: So, just for, like, a little bit of compare and contrast... When I was in college and I went to see one of my professors, I would be in a room full of, like, uh, at, like books, you know, like <laughs> literature. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had chemistry books in there, too. Okay. I mean, that was a, that was a weird detail.
1: <laughs> I mean, I remember it very specifically. I, I it was tell.
0: intimidating. I could tell. It's like you're describing a traumatic memory with all of the, <laughs> like, sensory input that goes into it. Allison, do, you just need to be like, listen don't do this as a gag. I love you. And more importantly, after we break up, I want to have fond memories of my prom when I'm an adult. And I don't want to have to look back at my prom pictures and see a guy who uh, had an ironic haircut.
1: Agree, John. I I want to go on to the next question. But first, I really want to know what these books were. So if anybody knows what I'm talking about, I'm Hank Green on Twitter. I want to find them and I want to read one now because I know that it's a thing. I know it's a thing. He probably had a knife on one of the covers. Uh, yeah, it's probably like, I can, I can imagine the titles. It's
0: like, How to Live a Powerful Life While Working 36 Seconds Per Week. <laughs> Are you able to sing I the remember. song of the alpha no. while having the perfect amount of potassium, question <laughs> mark, and then a colon into the subtitle, A Man's Man's Guide to Living Life. A Man's Man's Guide to Potassium. It's a, it's, it's
1: a, I mean, he is a chemistry professor. <laughs> This next question, John. It comes from Natalia. Do you remember when we were answering Natalia's question? Well, let's actually do it now. Natalia works in a retail shoe store that offers a 10% military discount every day of the week. Sometimes when people are paying for their shoes, I see their military ID in their wallet as they grab their credit card. Should I tell them that we offer a military discount or should I keep quiet and continue with the sale as is? I feel bad when they miss out on the discount, but they didn't bring it up to me in the first place or look at the sign that says we offer the discount. Any dubious advice? Welcome. Musically, Natalia. Here's the thing, Natalia.
0: You don't really work for the shoe company, right? Like, you don't (laughs) work for the man. You work for the people. (laughs) And you're trying to make sure... Right. The man gets as little money as possible. That is the shareholders of the corporation (laughs) that you work for. You want to minimize their returns and maximize the discounts that real regular people, including the people who serve our country, get in exchange for that sacrifice. So, yeah, 100 percent. You say, hey, do you know we get
1: a 10 percent military discount? I mean, is it a little weird, though, John, to be like, oh, we offer a military discount? And then they look at you and they're like, how did you know I was in the military? Because everybody else in this joint has a mullet.
0: You got a nice, clean, (laughs) clean cut. I can just tell from the cut of your jib.
1: Yeah, and also the military ID in your wallet that I scoped a peek at. Yeah, of course I looked at your wallet. Yeah, I'm fascinated by what's inside of people's wallets. I always want to know.
0: Oh, can I tell you what is inside of my wallet right now, Hank? I got, while we were on tour for an absolutely remarkable thing, someone handed me, you know, saint cards? You probably don't.
1: I do. I know of saint
0: cards. Yeah. So somebody handed me the Buddhist version of a saint card because I think they knew I was into saint cards. Uh Uh-huh. And it's the most amazing thing. You know what it says? What does it say? Hold on. I can't find it. I got all, I can't find it amid all my saint cards. There it is. It says, work smoothly, lifetime peace.
1: Work smoothly. Yeah. What great advice for Natalia! Natalia works smoothly. Lifetime, lifetime peace. peace. You know we offer a ten percent military discount, man. Yeah, works smoothly. Lifetime peace, ten percent off here at the shoes. Yeah, work smoothly, Natalia. We're gonna move on to the next question before John Fight Clubs the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry. Sorry. It's just a little uh, little post-election malaise, Hank. This next question comes from May, who writes, Dear John and Hank, my name is May. Don't, don't try to be a Ryan, May. And recently, I was in a long car drive when a flock of geese migrating south for the winter passed by. My mom pointed out the fact that they were actually going east instead of south, and my dad then rolled down his window, stuck oh, yeah. his head out, and shouted, oh, yeah. you're going the wrong way. Ha, <laughs> I I love love your dad, dad, May. Not only do I love your dad, and I I can relate. Uh, Boy, May, that is the kind of joke that my brother would love. My question (laughs) is, how do birds know where they're going when they migrate? Not the month, May. Hank, I I am something of an expert in geese, at least Canada geese, because I Mm -hmm. reviewed them for the Anthropocene Review, (laughs) and... The number one issue with Canada geese in the 21st century, there are a lot of issues, but the biggest one is that more and more they are not migrating at all. Yeah. They are yeah, becoming they don't need to. year-round birds in one mm-hmm. place. So they may have just been flying east because they were moving from one public park that we have perfectly manicured for the use of geese to a different public park that we have perfectly <laughs> manicured for the use of geese.
1: Right, or or a, a golf course, which is just like ge- goose heaven. Uh, but the answer to the question is lots of different things. Actually, it turns out we've been studying how birds find their way around for a while now, and also other organisms because lots of lots of animals uh, migrate. And uh, and it does seem like a pretty complicated thing for something to be able to do. But we know that uh, animals use geographic landmarks. Like, they, they know where they're going. They also sometimes use internal sensing. Like, they can actually sense the magnetic field of the Earth and so are able to navigate by that. They can also navigate using stars, the star field, which is crazy. Like, they're freaking explorers from the, you know... 12th century or something. And I, yeah, love it.
0: Hank, that's very interesting, but I wonder if we can just roll back to when you said that golf courses are heaven for geese. I wonder how geese explain to themselves that in this heaven, there is the occasional like white spherical object that hits them in the head and kills them.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think what they're probably thinking is humans have worked very hard to create the perfect world for geese but occasionally they whack one of those little balls into us and this is the price we have to pay. (laughs) But honestly, what I want to know is the goose mythology, like the, the ancestral tale that they tell about why humans have been working so hard on their behalf for so long. This huge shift that has occurred and allowed for so many grassy areas for them to chew up and poop upon. Oh, they're poopers. They are poopers. This next question comes from James, who asks Dear Hank and John, I'm on my first ever business trip traveling on a train in the rolling Irish countryside. The train has so far been rather nice, however, I just encountered a quandary. I have just been handed a small hot towel and a chocolate. I know what to do with the chocolate, (laughs) but what about the hot towel? The other passengers seem to know what uh, they do and were confident in their doing. However, uh, everyone was doing different things. What shall I do confused by Trains James? I remember the uh, what first... were they all doing? What was the different thing that they were all doing to the, the the towel? I I remember
0: the first time I encountered a hot towel situation. I was upgraded on a flight to Australia. Thank God, Ooh,
1: wow, Qantas
0: Airlines. I will never forget that generosity. But I I was upgraded on a flight to Australia, and suddenly here's this person handing out really. Flaming hot towels to each person. And so I look around, and I'm like, okay, what do I do with this thing? And and, and I notice that everyone's unrolling it, so I unroll mine. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I'm following along. And then, like, a third of the people just begin to, like, use the towel on their hands. A third of the people take off their glasses or whatever and Mm -hmm. put the towel on their faces. And then a Mm -hmm. third of the people use the towel to, like clean the area around their seat. And oh. I was like, well, what, what am I supposed to do?
1: <laughs> just like put it in your armpits, be like, ah, that's refreshing. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what I do. I, I've tried all three ways. I find mm-hmm. the cleaning the surfaces way to be the least effective because it's not y- – y- you need Purell for that business. I like to put it on my face, James. I like yeah. to take off my glasses and just
1: put it on my face and feel – Feel that warmth. I mean, what, I, what I'm what i picturing now is, is John gets a hot towel, he pours a bunch of Purell onto it, and then wipes down all the surfaces <laughs> on the chair or, and, and the seat in front of him. It's probably not a terrible idea. I, it's I, just like, hey, can you get me some wipes? Can I get some wipes up in here? Well, I mean, I
0: don't want to get too deep into it, but Hank, as you know, there are very few places on Earth filthier than an airplane <laughs> seat like they never get cleaned the those oh th- the scariest place on earth to me is that like that pocket in the back of the seat that has the magazines in it, like Mm -hmm. the thought that someone would touch that pocket, reach in and touch one of those magazines. When exactly, like that magazine is 27 days old. This plane flies nine times a day. Like how (laughs) many people have touched that magazine? What did they have? I'm not worried about it. I mean, well, you know what, Hank? When the movie Contagion happens in real life, and I still die because of my weak <laughs> immune
1: system. In heaven, we'll have a discussion about this. I'm much more concerned when I pick that magazine out of the pocket and somebody has touched the whole crossword with their pen already.
0: <laughs> Those are always the stupidest crosswords, too. They're like uh, blank Aniston, comma, star of friends. And I'm like, yeah, no, I mean... I got there. I didn't need... Okay, I'll take Uh, it. All right, Hank, this next question comes from Avery, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm currently in a prolonged game of Words with Friends with a friend of mine who's going through some really intense life stuff. We often text each other for support and have a game going simultaneously. She's having a particularly bad time right now, and I'm trying to comfort her. My problem is that it's my turn in Words with Friends, and I have the word gazed. The G is on a double letter, the Z is on a triple (laughs) letter, and the whole thing... Thing is on a triple word so that's like 120 points what do i do <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right avery you just gotta destroy your friend yeah destroy no. it's over just blah. You, sometimes you have to tear it all down to build it back up
0: it it's not just that when someone is suffering and they're in a bad place the last thing they want is words with friends pity <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I I know that my life sucks. I know that, like, right now in my life is is exactly the kind when I don't get the words, like, gazed. And so I, I already know that I'm in a yeah. bad space and just pile it on.
1: Or, or maybe it's like you, you text your friend and you're like, I know you're strong enough to handle it. I know you're strong enough to handle all the difficulties in your life. And I know you're strong enough to handle this next move in Words with Friends. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> You can handle all of this. You, yeah. I, I would not play gazed on a triple word score right now if I didn't believe that you were yes. strong enough to handle it. Yes.
0: Yes. Use it as a way to build them up while still getting the <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> satisfaction of playing a 120-point word in Words with Friends. <laughs> That's the kind of friends I want, John. Uh, no, me too. Hank, while we're answering sad questions, I, I wanted to ask this one from Mary, who writes, Dear John and Hank... Will there be a funeral for the Opportunity rover? Should we have one? Could the Curiosity <laughs> rover go over to it and bury it? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 this this <is> not nice. <laughs>
0: I mean, when you're one of only two rovers on a planet, I guess <laughs> I, mean, I guess you got to <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, it's okay to just be memorialized in the place where you're at. You don't have to get buried. It, it just becomes, we decide that the Opportunity Rover is never going to like move again. And it, it eventually won't. And this has happened to rovers on the planet Mars before uh, a number of times. The moment when they stop moving, they just stop being science experiments and they become monuments to human exploration and creativity and and engineering. And, uh, and then someday we'll go visit them and we'll be like, hey, look at it, neat. And there'll be a visitor center and you can get ice cream and Mars ice cream too, both kinds. Is there any
0: way I can win a second bet by betting against Mars ice cream existing <laughs> in my lifetime? In your lifetime? I know Mars ice cream will eventually exist, but there's no way anyone's going to eat ice cream on Mars in my lifetime. You'd need Mars cows.
1: You wouldn't need Mars cows. We can make ice cream on Earth without cows already.
0: Mm, strongly disagree. We can make ice cream like treats, but we can't make ice cream. <laughs> Mary, what I love about your question is that it leads to another question. At what point will we accept that the Curiosity rover is the first life form from Earth to reach Mars. And I think the answer is when, by itself, regardless of its programming, it
1: drives over to the Opportunity Rover and buries it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If that happens, the podcast is staying named Dear Hank and John. Because at that point, there will officially be a person on Mars. Exactly. I mean, that's when we know.
0: It's when the robots start to bury their dead. That's when we know. (laughs) that John, we are no longer relevant. So, have we what did we say? We said a person on Mars, right? That's what we're angling for. The bet. Yeah? So, so for new listeners, Hank and I have a longstanding bet that if a person lands on Mars before 2028, the podcast will continue to be named Dear Hank and John. Otherwise, no person on Mars by 2028, the podcast is
1: officially renamed Dear John and Hank. So the question I have, the, the and this is very unlikely to come into play, Yeah, a person, to me a person is, mm-hmm. like, you can be a person and not be human. Sure, like Chewbacca. So, yes, a perfect example. Right. So if aliens yeah. land on Mars before 2028, does that count? I, I think that depends on the alien. Like, Wookiees
0: are definitely people. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. would disagree with that. On the other hand, like, if a dog goes to Mars... Obviously, it's impressive. It's a surprise. <laughs> I don't think any so, of us anticipated it, but I, I would argue it's not a person on Mars.
1: So if a, if a space alien sends their equivalent of a dog to Mars, right. that doesn't count. You have to be able to, like, hold a conversation with it. If aliens send
0: their pets to Mars, first off, we are living in such a different timeline, right? Like. <laughs> How do we know that podcasts are still going to be a big deal in this wildly new world?
1: (laughs) People are still going to want distractions and they're definitely going to want Mars news.
0: establishing ourselves as like the most important Mars news podcast will have turned out to be this brilliant marketing trick. Meanwhile, AFC Wimbledon will be like winning the Champions League every year and somebody will be like, man, I wish there was more. Oh, there is more AFC Wimbledon news. I love this future, Hank. What do we need to do to make it happen? Alien pets on Mars and AFC Wimbledon winning the Champions League.
1: 2028 all the way. It's happening. It's coming. We made the prediction here. don't, Don't worry. It's gonna happen cuz we're really good at predictions here at Hank and John. So good. You should listen to some
0: of our stuff before the 2016 election. <laughs> oh god. Just just
1: that sentence felt like a band-aid coming off. Hank. Mm. I, are you eating something? No, no, sorry. I was just fidgeting.
0: What did, what did you do? What did what did what were you just crinkling? I was, was uh, that this food? very
1: very small uh previously eaten package of Reese's peanut butter cup.
0: I, I I I don't know what it I don't know what this says about me exactly, but I knew by the sound of that crinkle. <laughs> that it was Halloween candy. I didn't know. I I wasn't able to identify Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, although it is by far the best Halloween candy. And I don't know about you, but it's certainly the first one I steal from my kids. But I knew it was Halloween candy. I don't know if we're just on the same vibe or if I just know a lot about how it sounds when you open Halloween candy somewhat shamefully. I
1: think it's probably number two, which reminds me that this podcast is brought to you by (laughs) shameful Halloween candy. (laughs) look it's november 10th it's too late to still be eating halloween candy and yet there you are doing it
0: oh no that's not why i feel ashamed i feel ashamed because my children walked for miles and miles to get this candy that i'm now like oh no i'll save you the trouble of eating it i can i know somebody who can take care of that for you (laughs) today's podcast is also brought to you by dsw shoe warehouse dsw shoe warehouse don't work for the shareholders work for the people (laughs) and <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by Goose Heaven Golf Club.
1: It's made of grass and poop.
0: <laughs> and lastly, this podcast is brought to you by the Business Class Hot Towel. The Business Class Hot Towel. Uh, you know, uh, nobody knows really. <laughs>
1: it's just like, we had to figure out something special to do for you. And here it is. We put towels in the warm place. It is It is weird how they create these like experiences of
0: luxury that are at their core really low quality,
1: you know? Yeah. This episode of Dear Hang is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week. And it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy good stuff in the house. And Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Giovanni, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt.
0: Here, I'm going to feed you $12 of microwaved food.
1: All right, John, let's hit a couple more questions before we we get to some comments and then the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. This is from Kat, who asks, Dear Hank and John, So I'm currently job searching and I've arrived at an interview early and I find that I really have to P, is it appropriate to Mm -hmm. ask the place I'm interviewing at if I can use their bathroom before the interview starts? Should I just hold it and hope to find a bathroom afterwards at a nearby place? Thoughts? Kit Kat.
0: Yeah, Kit Kat, it's fine to go to the bathroom. Uh, If you're interviewing for a job and they don't expect that you're the kind of person who uses the bathroom...
1: (laughs) Concerned about the job. Yeah, they're like, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I thought that you were a Mars rover. Yeah, no, this is our mistake.
0: This job has already
1: been automated. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that it. Uh, I always feel like a weird sense of like, this is how I am telling myself that I am comfortable and confident in this situation. I can walk up to the receptionist and say... Do you have a bathroom? I always say that too. I always say, do you have a bathroom? Which is ludicrous because of course they do. (laughs)
0: Like (laughs) like, No, no, no. We all go down to the Starbucks uh, downstairs. (laughs) Right. It's the real pain in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. So you say, where is the bathroom? or 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 may I use the bathroom or something like that. I here's when I when I'm in a new office, I like to ask to use the bathroom. Because it gives me a chance to check out what bathrooms ah, are like in yeah. other places of work. And Kat, if you're going to be working at this place, it's probably best That's to great. scope out the bathrooms in advance. That's because a great point. if the bathrooms are weird or filthy, uh, you know you're going to have to hang out there a bunch. So maybe take a pass on the job. Yeah, and when That's they how ask- you know it's a good job market, Hank.
1: It's yeah. It's a, it's a solid market. You don't have to. You don't have to work a place with a bad bathroom. And when they ask you in the interview, like, "Why are you look Why did you apply here? Why are you looking forward to working here?" You can say, "Well, I just used your pee pee hole, and I loved it. It was great. It's a high quality bathroom, man.
0: <laughs> you Got those warm toilet seats. It's incredible." <laughs>
1: (laughs) Which just goes to show you it is always good, even if you don't have to, to ask to use the restroom at a place where you might be working.
0: All right, Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I just want to read a couple uh, emails that we received. You can email us, by the way, at hankandjohn at gmail.com. This first one comes from Travis. Hank, you might remember that a few episodes ago we talked about whether it's appropriate to read a recommendation letter Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, somebody wrote for you. And, And Travis wrote, I'm so grateful I read an absolutely lovely letter of recommendation that someone wrote for me because it was actually written for someone named Veronica. They'd sent me the wrong letter. and So yeah, maybe you, maybe you should do it just on the off chance that it's like, oh yeah, no, Veronica will do great at West Point.
1: Simone sent us this one. She says, dear Hank and John, I'm a few episodes behind in the pod, so I'm not sure if anyone else has written in about this. I emailed Smuckers yesterday to ask what they do with the leftover crust from the Uncrustables. And I mean, my assumption is that that email would go into the void and never be seen again, but... They emailed Simone back, and apparently the crusts are put into animal feed. I have attached a screenshot of the email below. Pumpkins and penguins Simone we will put that on the Patreon for all of you to see. Uh, Yeah, I want to say a
0: quick thanks to Susan at Smuckers. Yeah for replying so promptly to the question. It's almost like they get that question a lot. Yeah, probably that
1: there's a, uh, there's a macro for
0: that one. So in, in Susan's response, she wrote, in response to your inquiry, the bread crusts are provided as an ingredient for farm animal feed, which makes it seem like an act of generosity. <laughs> like, but I'm almost yeah. positive they sell yeah. the crusts.
1: Mm-hmm. They're provided as, a, as just, uh, there's hungry pigs out there, John. They have to feed them. hank john oh god i mean at least you scored a lot of goals in a game that wasn't important
0: yeah we did score four goals against stevenage's b team which
1: (laughs) why did they have their b team out they just didn't they just didn't care
0: yeah Nobody oh. cares about this uh, this trophy, the check-a-trade trophy competition. Uh, it was a great performance from what was essentially AFC Wimbledon's B team. <laughs> but maybe we should start those guys. Who knows? Uh, things are dark. Things are very, very dark for America's favorite third-tier English soccer team. AFC Wimbledon are in the midst of an absolutely horrible, horrible period of play. I, 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 this is the worst. In the years that I've been sponsoring AFC Wimbledon, this is definitely the, the lowest I've seen the spirits of uh, the club. It's the most frustrated I've seen everybody associated with the club. We played a game uh, on November 3rd against Shrewsbury, another one of the worst teams in League One, they, in fact, hadn't won in 12 games. We went 1-0 up in that game. It was really exciting. The players all ran to Neil Ardley, the manager of the club, to celebrate with him, to show their support for him. And I will say, at least from watching it on my phone, it seemed like the crowd was really being supportive. Uh, uh, nobody knows the right way forward. Nobody knows if, if Neil is going to be the manager of the club you know, through the rest of the season or what. But it, it just felt so hopeful in that moment, and then Wimbledon gave up two really bad goals uh, and ended up losing that game 2-1, which is, I don't know, our seventh consecutive loss. It's, uh, it's, we're, it looks at the moment like we're headed back down to League Two. Uh, that's certainly uh, – yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't want to sound despondent 17 games into a 46 game season, but it does definitely look at the moment like we are headed back toward being a fourth tier English football club. 17 games, 11 points. Not Oof. not good.
1: Oof. Uh I don't I don't know how to help you with that John except to say that Mars is looking good It's still a big old good juicy planet and uh and in the next in not the com- that juicy it's got you know it's juicier than we expected honestly we found some like significant juice deposits not like ones you'd want to drink because of the perchlorates but like you know more more gusher than you'd expect mars juicier than we expected <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's good. Uh, so so I'm going to be talking for the foreseeable future here on Dear Hank and John about the InSight lander, which will be landing on November 26th, if all goes according to plan. Uh, John, of the missions that have been sent to Mars, only 40% of them uh, sent by any space agency have been successful. So there is always a chance that it's just going to, it's going to get to mars and then we'll never hear from it again Uh, and then later take a picture of where it was supposed to land and see a big smear across the landscape which has happened before uh so we've got you know we've got got a couple weeks before insight lands uh, so i want to talk a little bit about it as that starting to happen um insight lander is using technology that we've used before and that's worked before to land uh craft on mars so that's exciting it's also uh, more likely to be successful because it's landing in a very uniform area of mars because it doesn't need to be anywhere particularly interesting to do its science it's basically going to drill into the surface a little bit and learn more about the interior of mars and uh do like planetary science in terms of geology and stuff and that uh, that mission could be done anywhere. So they're basically landing on the flattest part of Mars that has the most space open for, you know, if they miss the landing site by, like, two miles, it's still going to be just as good. So that that's good. Um, and also, uh, the thing that I was fascinated to read about recently is that because Mars has weather, you have to... Dis- and, and, like, it's not like you can turn around if you want to avoid the weather. You can't, like like land somewhere else you land where you're going to land and you arrive when you're going to arrive so if insight arrived on mars at a time when there was a planet-wide dust storm it would have to land through the planet-wide dust storm Mm. instead of like saying okay well we're going to roll the dice on that nasa and the jet propulsion laboratory actually designed insight to like land in a dust storm and be okay um it that like the extra wind, the uncertainty and landing uh where you would actually end up landing and also of course the act like the the parachute and the heat shield itself are all uh designed to be sandblasted and be just fine so they have That's thought pretty cool. of pretty much everything it feels like so we're feeling really I'm very excited about insight and I I, Think that the, uh, I think that you know, since we've done this before, that the sa- we've used the same landing protocols before, that we should not have a huge problem. Uh, but, of course, I'm nervous and excited. And uh, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about what Insight is going to do once it gets there.
0: So, Hank, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. You may remember that back when the Internet was capable of experiencing kind of collective joy— <laughs> There was this amazing moment where some rover landed on Mars, and it was like a mini Cooper landed on a planet very far away from Earth. Uh And we saw the live footage of the people who'd been working on this for years, Mm -hmm. jumping up and celebrating. And I cried, and I showed the footage to my kids, and I told them, like, this is what humans can accomplish together. Am I going to have another one of those moments? Like, are, In your is whole there going life? to be like one <laughs> one big moment where it lands and we know that it landed and we hear it beat back and it's like, yeah?
1: I mean, it depends on. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that was curiosity. That moment you're remembering. And, yeah. Uh, and I want and, that again. And I like the Mars 2020 rover. I like. There's a little bit of a sense of like. It's kind of we're doing it again. Like, we've done this once. We're no, gonna do no, it no, again. no, 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 I, no, no. I cannot wait until
0: 2020. I am asking the insight. Is it going to give me a little bit of that feeling? Oh, I need yeah. that
1: feeling, man. I need it. Oh, I see. Is insight going to give you that feeling? I mean, if you pay attention, I don't think it's going to happen for the whole the whole uh, Internet at the same time like it did for Curiosity. But hey, who knows? Let's make it happen. Let's be excited about Insight. It's a great mission and I'm very excited uh, for it to go well. And my fingers are very crossed and I'm going to be biting my fingernails as I watch the news feeds come in.
0: Here we go. We're going to watch a live stream of NASA headquarters or whatever when yeah. Insight lands. It's going to feel amazing. AFC Wimbledon are going to go on a six-game winning streak. The Chicago Cubs are going to win the World Series. I believe that ship has sailed, and everything <laughs> is going to be golden. Yeah, absolutely. I feel. I feel it, John. It's going to happen, Hank. Things are going to change. I can feel it.
1: What's that from?
0: Beck song loser. Yeah, <laughs> Hank. Thank you for making me feel hopeful. In these dark and difficult times, by which I mostly mean AFC Wimbledon's terrible, terrible run of form. <laughs> and thank you for potting with me it is always a pleasure thanks to everybody for listening and thanks to WNYC for welcoming us so generously uh, into their family
1: Dear Hank and John is a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios it's produced by Rosianna Hals Rojas and Sheridan Gibson our editor is Nicholas Jenkins Victoria Bongiorno is our head of community and communications the music that you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by The Great Gunnarolla you can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com and as they say in our hometown don't Don't forget forget to be be awesome. awesome